Praise God. Would you want to pray together? I like to pray. It gets me to relax, cry out to God for help. <clears throat> let's, let's just pray together. Hallelujah. Well, Heavenly Father, we just believe that the Spirit of God will continue to rest upon each one here and that you <clears throat> would take the word this morning and wed it to the hearts of your people. And we just ask your blessing to be upon me to bring forth what we believe the Spirit of God has and is saying to the church in this hour. We ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'd like to have you turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Uh, you know, what I wanted to do was... Um, preach on faith. This is one of the few places you can speak on faith without getting stoned. And, uh, you know, faith like you believe it. You can go and mention faith in churches, uh, but it's not, not total faith. And, and so I, I desperately tried to work up some message on it because it's a favorite topic of mine. But God kept steering me back to this. It's something I, uh, there's a little fellowship in Weirton, West Virginia that I go to. And if um, Sister Janet, you're online, uh, you just want to say hi. <laughs> and uh, they invite me out. It's, it's something that um, I preached out there. And I believe uh, God wants it to hear. It's something he's doing in this hour. So let's read verses 11 to 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. And it says this. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What will result in that? Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now that's pretty wordy. But it's talking about the body of Christ coming together. You know, often uh, I'll get asked, I suppose other ministry gets asked, what is God doing in this hour? What is he doing? Um, they're, they're dismayed because they're not seeing things happen. Where's the great miracles? A lot of people will say, well... There's something happening over in this fellowship. I mean, they're seeing miracles and they're doing all kinds of stuff and they're really blessed and all of this. Why aren't we seeing those? Uh, let me just answer that by saying that this is where people get off and start missing God and wandering off into error. There was a man, I can't vouch for their ministry and what always happened, but there was a man who the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to and he talked with him. And he was setting him in the office of prophet. Now, this was back in the 50s. And this man, um, in the course of the conversation, the Lord told him this. He said, my people are missing the supernatural. 
because they're focusing on the spectacular. They're missing the supernatural. You know what the supernatural is? It isn't always big hurrah and all of this. It is what's working in a lot of you is that st still small voice of the spirit. Uh, now, if you want to chase after the spectacular, you can go anywhere. Take, take for example, there's an example of this in Scripture in 1 Kings 19. Here Elijah had just done the spectacular. He had called down the fire from heaven and had burned up the sacrifice. He'd killed 450 prophets of Baal. He had uh, prayed for rain. It came. He outran a chariot. Pretty good but for a day's work. <laughs> and yet when he heard the queen say, if this man's alive by tomorrow, you know, uh, so be it unto me. And he got discouraged. And he, so he went off and he headed off and he ended up on Mount Horeb. And, and the Lord began to deal with him there. And what happened on Mount Horeb was that, first of all, God sent this mighty wind and the mountains shook and the rocks rent and everything. And then it says, but the Lord wasn't in it. And then came an earthquake. And it says the Lord wasn't in it. And then came a fire. But the Lord wasn't in it. And then it said, but then there was the still, small voice of the Lord. Now, that's what you want to listen to. Amen. Beloved, it doesn't matter what's happening anywhere else in the world, but what is the Spirit of God telling you privately? What's He telling you? That's what God's doing. The center of your attention, the center of your focus should be right here in this building today. This is where God sets you. Amen? Amen. Isn't that right? So... You get people chasing from pillar to post following the spectacular and missing the supernatural in their midst. So what God is doing in this hour, what is it? Well, he's building his church. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. You had us all built up for something. He's building his church. Whew, we can go home now. No, it's, it's much more difficult than that. It's much more interesting. It is something you'll have to give yourself to. Um... Let me just say that he's bringing into perfection bodies of believers. There was years ago, a man of God had had a prophecy. And in this prophecy, he said the Lord told him four things about Israel and three things about the church. He said about the church, he said, what I'm doing in this hour, I've taken a pinch off the, the big loaf, the denominational loaf. He said, I'm taking a pinch off of that and I'm going to work with it. That's mine. And he said, if you will look at it, this little pinch that I'm looking at, you'll not think that it's any different than any other church, but there's a significant work that's going on in the inside. That other loaf, I'm going to let it form itself. He said, but this is what I'm going to work with. Now, you, you have to believe that that's you this morning, that this is what God's doing. When people look and pass by this, think, oh, they have a church in there. That's interesting. They cannot see what the Spirit of God is doing inside these four walls. Amen? Amen. Uh, that you're being formed into something different. You're not cut of the same cloth. You're, there's something. Think for a moment. Why did God uh, raise up a brother Hamilton and give him a, a faith message and all the things he taught you? Was it just because it's going to be another day at church and another uh, common life? No, there's something he's preparing you for. There's something, there's, there's something more. Up till now, a lot of us, let me just back up. I got a lot of things to say. You mind if I take back up a little bit? There's, in, in a person's life, in a growth uh, of a person, he starts off, uh, there's three stages. Dependence, independence, and then what? 
interdependence. Interdependence is where you want to be, and that's really what we're going to talk about. You know what dependence is. It's the baby in the arm. You feed him, you clothe him, you place him where he wants to go, you, you nurture him along, and you teach him responsibility. Independence is what? Well, it's not what they talk about in America. Well, you ain't going to tell me what to do. That's American independence. Amen? Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm 13. I ought to know. That's, <laughs> that's American independence. Independence, according to the Word of God, is when you're old enough to meet your responsibility without mom or dad hanging over you and telling you to do it. You make your bed. You clean up your room. Am I getting into a bad area here? Preacher, brother. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and you learn how to, you know, be on your own. But that's not where it stops. And then there's independence, interdependence. What's interdependence? It's more like in a marriage. A man can be a wonderful guy, but that's all he'll ever be until he's married. And then he can become a family. Amen? So you see what we're talking about. Now, if you're under... In the past, let me just say this. In the past, God has raised up dynamic ministries. Men of renown, given them signs and miracles, and, and people would rally around that message, that minister. What God is doing in this hour is he's raising up bodies of believers. There will be light set on the hill. They are ones that can direct them to the Lord. That's what he's doing. It's a corporate thing. Now, if you're under the age of 40, I know 40 sounds old to some of you. Uh, 70 doesn't sound that old to me. <laughs> Amen. But if you're under the age of 40, you need to hear this. If you're, under, if you're over 40, I trust that a lot of you will, will recognize this is, this is what we were taught. But if you're under the age of 40, you see, what is sour is there's a, a passing off of the baton. Some of you young men are now starting, and God is requiring you to bear the responsibility of the church. How many of you young men feel a call to the ministry? Can I see your hands? A couple of, don't be bashful. Even if it's just hoping. That's what I started off with. Even if you just hope. Even if it's just a, in the wildest imagination, I'd like to be used of God in some ministry. You give yourself to it. Give yourself to it. Start working now. I, I started off, I was 23, and I went to the glory barn, and I thought, oh, wow, everybody's preparing for end-time ministry. Even the women, the kids, the logs I'm sitting on, we're all preparing for end-time ministry. And, you know, and we're taking Greek and Hebrews, and I, Greek and Hebrew, I didn't know a dangling participle from a diphthong. <laughs> and, uh, and you just, but I, I, there was something in me. If there is ever the remotest hope of being used, I need to do this. And then here I am. Here I am. Miracle of see, greater works. And, uh, <laughs> but you prepare. And the call in this hour is, what is it? Acts 6, like verse 3. Look ye out among you, men of a good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That's what this congregation is looking now, for another generation to come in. Those type of men, full of the Holy Spirit. 
And so you need to, you need to, as a young man, begin to shoulder the responsibility of being in the church of God because you're going to carry what the will of God is in your life. Now, our attitude towards the church will determine our relationship to it. Our attitude towards this church. What is it to you? If I ask you to take out a piece of paper and write down what the church is and your responsibility to it, what definition would it be? What definition would it be? Does it line up with the Word of God? You see, for some, the church is a building used for religious purposes. People would drive by here, oh, look, that's a church. Is that the, is that the biblical definition? For others, it's an institution or a religious social agency used to meet the needs of the suffering. That's, that's their concept of the church. For others, the church is something you do Sunday mornings and Wednesdays to meet a religious obligation. It's what we do Wednesdays. What else would you do Wednesday? There's nothing on TV. Let's go to church. And because of this, because now this may not be the attitude of this fellowship, but you meet people, that's what they think. If, if they're going to give directions, well, you go up the street till you come to the big church and turn left because that's what they think it is, a building. Or one of the other definitions I gave you. But because of this, people's attitude towards the church and their participation in it also varies. They go because it's my duty. There's a sense of ought. We ought to pray. We ought to worship. We ought to read our Bible. We ought to be better than we are. It's a sense of ought. And so I go and relieve myself of that burden of feeling like I'm, if I go to church, I'm right with God. Or I go to keep peace in the family. I just, it's better than being nagged and made to feel guilty that I'm sitting at home and, and not doing some religious function. I go because I have a lot of causes there and, and we're making a difference in the community. I go because I'm in one of their support groups and they help me to cope. Or I go because that's where my friends are. Amen. Let's just be honest. There's, is some of those our motives? Is that what we do? But the question is, what does the New Testament show the church is? If you read Ephesians 4 like we did and you go into 1 Corinthians 12, you find out that the church is what? A living organism, a body. Christ is the head and we're the body. And the head is mature. Now the body has to grow up into it. And when that thing becomes mature, the earth is going to see something that it has never saw before. There will be coming a day where the sons of God will come forth. That's what it says in Romans 8. And this is what your purpose is. Um, it, this is an organism. You, as members, one of another in this assembly, bear a relationship to you to one another that gives life. You know, it says in Matthew 18, he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them in some unique way. Jesus Christ is here as the head this morning that he isn't in just the individual believer. Amen? Amen. Isn't that right? That in some way we can experience Jesus Christ 
in one accord, in one mind, if we're in spirit and in truth, we can experience Christ in a unique way. So when this body is gathered together, in some unique way, the life that is in you is passed to each member. Your members, one of another. The church is a living organism, and it sustains this living relationship with each other. The church's actions, individually, and activity, therefore, should reflect the mind of Christ. Now, we're talking specifically inside here, but if the church knows, I mean, the world knows what this church believes by how you act. Amen? Isn't that right? Uh, I, I remember at one time going to Faith Assembly, we were persecuted, and uh, it wasn't, wasn't serious. Nobody got their head lopped off. But uh, we made the news media, and, uh, and you, got it, it, you got it at where you worked. Coworkers would just uh, get in your face, and they'd just agitate it until you got in the flesh and you said something. And then they'd get this far from you, and they'd say, is that what they teach you in your church? <laughs> no, <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> I had one guy I worked with. Every one of you ought to be blessed with uh, working with a fella. He called himself Richard the Great. <laughs> Wild hair, had one tooth hanging down. He smoked cigars down till they were a wet stub. And then he'd shove them in his mouth and chew it. And he's always going around saying, how about that? And he was <clears throat> always telling me stuff like, when I get rich and make millions, I'm going to hire you to polish my shoes. <laughs> One day, and this guy was always doing something to agitate me. And uh, in fact, when I hired into this place, I said, well, this is all right, as long as I don't have to work with that guy. The foreman stepped out and said, you, him, work together. <laughs> And one day, he, he is really getting after me and all this other stuff. And he got this far from my face. He said, my job is to get you angry. I said, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually came to love the man and, and to pray for him and uh, wanted his best. And as soon as that happened, I can remember, I just resolved, Lord, I love that man. And uh, I'll help him any way I can. As soon as it happened, I never saw him again. He was taken out of my life. Which I rejoiced over. In the <laughs> <laughs> but God wants to bring about a unity, unity in the body. A unity. What kind of unity? Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now that's not just an ideal. That is an apostolic word to his church, to the church, that we have that and it, and it requires some things. Um... <clears throat> It is the forming the body into a mature man with Christ the head. Let me give you what the Lord gave me once. And, 
And, and when I first was a, a struggling pastor, and um, he showed it to me in a vision. It was during a meeting just like this one, uh, only much smaller. And um, it was an open eye vision. Right there during the service, I just had it. And when you saw it, you understood it. How many of you know that when you get dreams and visions, there's a, there's a knowing as you meditate on them, it just makes sense. It may not make sense trying to tell it to somebody, but it, it, it brings forth a spiritual truth. And uh, you just are aware that these things are true. So in this vision, I was standing there, and I saw in this vision a pair of white-gloved hands holding a very uh, nice silver serving tray. It was presenting it to me. You know, like something to eat. And on it were all the ingredients for bread. On it was all the ingredients for bread. There was a pile of flour. There's a, a measuring cup of flour, another little flask for oil. There was a pile of yeast, salt, sugar, whatever goes into bread. It's all there individually laid there. And it was presented to me like take and eat. Well, you're kidding, right? Who, can you imagine how untasteful that would be, how dry? Uh, can you imagine spooning down flour, just flour for bread? How about eating just a tablespoon of yeast or salt? Yuck. But when it's all mixed together and transformed into bread, it's something totally different. You want to, don't you? It, it, it's somehow in this... Um, miracle that takes place in being rolled together and mixed together, it becomes something that nourishes the soul and you want it. You want more of it. How many of you like homemade bread? All right, the rest of you can go. <laughs> you see, you, you can't imagine eating it individually. And like we said so far in, in many of our faith, the faith message for us is a maintenance type faith. It's what I call on when I need healing. It's when I have a material need. I ask the Lord. It's one of those things. But God wants their faith to be extended into another higher level. It, it, it's really taking this. You know how to believe for yourself. Now let's go on and believe for something bigger. And that is the oneness and the unity of a fellowship as it matures into the body of Christ. So the Lord made me to know several things. And uh, the first thing is that individually, we may have reached a certain level of perfection. You see, whatever ingredient you are, as we'll use the analogy, if you're flour today, you may be the finest sifted flour. You may be the purest salt or the most potent yeast, whatever your calling is in this fellowship today. But the Lord wants you to know that's all you'll ever be if we don't mix in with others. Amen? That's it. You're, you're, just, you're done. Flour. That's it. That's all we'll ever be. But if we begin to give ourselves one to another, then we can begin to be something much greater than that. Amen? Amen? It's this mixing in. Now, that's a real challenge because it gets, it, this is easy. Wait till it gets tough in the message here. <laughs> you see, if I'm flour, yeast 
must permeate and work on me. Salt has to season me. Water has to saturate me. It isn't me, flower, all right, I'm going to affect you. But I have to be affected by everybody else. I need those ingredients and they need me if we're going to be bread. Amen? Amen? Isn't that right? Yeah. Oh, it sure is. So it's not just me affecting you, it's you also affecting me. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, what other set of circumstances can you imagine that this varied of different people could ever be gathered together? It'd only be the Lord. Some of you are real characters. <laughs> You wouldn't, you wouldn't normally hang around you're with each other. Your, your interests are so different. But when it comes to, when the Spirit of the Lord sat you together, He called you to something greater than individual efforts and interests. And every one of you has a gifting, have a calling. And yet, to obtain that higher calling, it's you have to affect me and I have to affect you. So individually, by ourselves, that's all we could ever be until we start going towards the higher calling of being one in the body of Christ, this, this mature man. You know, just as the analogy of the human body, think of where the strength lies. You, you can be the most strongest arm. I better not do that. I don't have that much strength. But <laughs> you can be a, a real strong arm. But by yourself, you can't lift anything. Think of how much an arm can lift apart from the body. Can't. Can't do it. That's what, that's what uh, Ephesians 4.16 is talking about. Knit together by every joint and, and, and compacted. The strength of the arm is where the arm meets the body. That's where it gets its leverage, its power. You see, we need each other. Uh, I may be preaching to the choir because I don't know what goes on down here. I, as far as I know, you're all a well-oiled machine and everything's fine and, uh, okay, get out of here. But I know in our assembly, we're still learning to come and grow up into things. And it takes work. When properly united with the other ingredients, we become elevated to a higher level than just on our own. Well, that's the first thing that the Lord, Lord imparted to me. Going back to the analogy of bread, the second thing was I was made to know by the Spirit that the process of being bread requires one ingredient to be mixed and affect the other ingredients. Now, and essentially I've already said that, but there is a process I need the understanding of what you have in the Lord. You know, God uses personalities. Uh, if you've ever been in a good prayer meeting, a real good one where the Spirit of the Lord is moving, you'll find that in that prayer meeting it doesn't come from just one source. I've been in prayer meetings where a brother will say, I believe the Lord wants us to pray about this, and another one will pick it up and said, it's this by a word of knowledge. And if someone else will stand up in authority and address that, and, and you can just tell you're all running together. Because nobody's got one. It takes person. You ever see the gifts work of prophecy? Uh, oftentimes, God uses the personality to match the message. 
if, if, if the Lord wants to impart his affection for you, he may have a, a sister stand up and tell you how much he loves the body and everything instead of some hawking humanoid with a gravelly voice, God wants you to know he loves you people. Uh, oh, how wonderful. <laughs> no, often it comes across the, the, the personality. You, you can have four or five gifts of prophecy and each one of them will be, uh, it'll have their personality involved in it. And you need to hear it, how they put it across. Why do you have four gospels? Why did God use four personalities to bring it across? Uh, it, and so there is the, the nature of this to where we all must receive one from another. And what you're listening is not the individual. You're, you're, not, you're listening to what the Spirit of God is saying through them as he uses their personality. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose everybody's got a copy of Louis Burkhoff's uh, theology. <laughs> of course, <clears throat> no. Anyway, if you ever get a hold of one, <laughs> read, a, read a section he has on inspiration of Scripture and how and he talks about that, how God used, God said what he wanted said through the personality of the person doing the writing. He used their experiences. He used their investigations. He used their um, wisdom and understanding. And yet, in the final product, God said what he wanted to say through the individual. Amen? Amen. That can happen to you. Every one of you has got to give. God wants to express himself through you, through using your personality. Some of you have... Um, very sweet. Some of you are more straightforward. Some of you are rougher. Some of you are very eloquent. Uh, God wants to use you. But what we're listening for is not your personality. When someone stands up, you can't afford to stand up and think, oh, it's Smitty again. Oh, glory. Let's just wait till this is over. No, what you're listening for is the Spirit of God moving through that man as he brings forth something. If it isn't, it isn't. Okay, let's just be honest. Some people just stand up because they want attention or uh, there's a silent spot and somebody needs to fill that with something. Um, let me tell you about my cat. Uh, uh, we changed cat food this week and it's working out well. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I will tell you this I was on my way to the building once early it was uh, before the sun was up and I, I was on a country road and there was this animal laying in the road but, and as I saw it and got closer it was just laying there it, it could hear me coming I thought but something was not right with this animal. I mean, you could see the body and, and everything, but something was wrong with the head. And I, I drove right over top of it. I didn't run over it, praise the Lord. So I said, this has really got me interested. So I backed over it again <laughs> and got it in the beam of my headlights. And I got out and it was this cat laying in the middle of the road. And I went over to it and wondered what in the world. And it had this empty cat food can stuck on its head. So I went over there and popped that thing off. So there's my testimony. <laughs> That's how God's using me. 
I might add that the empty can said nine lives. <laughs> True story. Anyway, what that meant with anything. <laughs> now back from our commercial. <laughs> but you see, it's in the affecting of one another. God is using your brother and your sister to perfect you, not agitate, not merely just grind the rough ashes off of you, but to perfect you. There's something at work in you that they have that you need that causes you to mature right alongside with them. That's what's happening. A third thing was made to known to me was that the individual ingredients are lost to the whole of the rest of the loaf. You lose your identity. You see, if your wife calls you up and you're on your way home, she said, could you stop at the store? And could you buy, does she say, could you buy a loaf of flour, water, oil, sugar, yeast, and bring it home because we're having sandwiches tonight? No, you say, bring home a loaf of bread. Bring home a loaf of bread. Whatever ingredient you are, whether by analogy you're the salt, the sugar, or whatever, that identification is lost to the rest of the whole. Amen? It's, it's not who you are personally anymore. It's I'm a member of Shelbyville Christian Assembly. That's how the community should know you. Oh, you go to that church. That's how they know you. You are... You are lost. It's, it's no longer striving to maintain your individuality. That's going back to just being flower again. It's no longer trying to be you individually and, well, I'm going to tell everybody about what it's like to be flower and I have my dynamic ministry. No, it, when, when somebody, the brother who came back, where was it, from Dominican Republic? Well, you see, he, he, he went out representing you. They know what you're like by his testimony. If, if they come here, they should recognize the message. And you lose that. You're being rolled together. You're being formed into one mind, into one uh, thought, one, one purpose. You have one purpose. It is to be bread. You see, flour is used in a lot of things. Amen? It's used in cookies. It's used in cakes. It's used in paste. It's used in Play-Doh. But the purpose here this morning is to be bread. And that's what you have to give yourself to this purpose. Bread. That's our focus. Now, like we said, if, if somebody, how wrong would it be if somebody comes here and think, no, I think we ought to be cake. I think we ought to be Play-Doh or paste. They would be out of place. Amen. Amen. They, they, they were entered into the wrong church that morning. Because your purpose, you know what your purpose is. It is the furtherance of the message that God has given you. That's your purpose. We're rallying around that thing. That's what we're here for. And that's what every member should be striving for, to enter into that. It's not trying to give us a different foundation. It's not trying to start something else. It is building upon what God is bringing into perfection, what God has started us on. And coming and bringing that into perfection. Amen? Amen. You see, if, if, if somebody 
thinks there should be cookies somewhere, go find the cookie church. Go find where they're making Play-Doh or paste. That's fine. We won't criticize you. <laughs> no, it's, there are other churches with other messages. I don't know about them. I don't know what their calling is. I know what my church's calling is. So even if we're not following what you're doing, that's between you and the Lord. But don't bring your other doctrine into us. We know our calling. Let's stay with this. We're going to give ourselves to the purpose for which God brought us together. Amen? Amen. Because that's the only way we'll become bread. Now, if there's some flour that refuses to mix in, no, I ain't going to do it. Mm -mm. No, I just, no. Uh -uh. The blessed thing you should know about it is it is not you rejecting them. It's them rejecting you. That's right. So if someone doesn't agree with the message, or I don't see that, or I think we, uh, we should sit down and talk about this because uh, I really feel my opinion's just as, they're out of line. Oh boy, it's quiet. If you could get the car around. <laughs> <we'll> <laughs> no, really, it's, 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 let's forget what my opinion is. Let's forget what your opinion is. And let's just ask God, according to, 1 Corinthians 1.10, that we can have the mind of Christ on this. And it will bear witness with my soul. Now, not everything, not everybody's on the same level, spiritually. And, and uh, some may not have all the truth you do on why you're making the decisions you're making. At that point, after prayer, you may have to stand back and say, while... I don't see it. It should at least bear witness with me. And I concur with what they're doing. I concur. I won't get in the way. I'm not going to cause trouble about it. I will pray about it. I'd like further understanding because the only way I can exercise faith is if I understand. Amen? So you see, there's, there's, there's resolution of things. And it's coming together and wanting that, that whole purpose. Now... In this whole thing, the other thing the Lord showed me, the last thing, is this. Is that it is not my job to convert everybody else over to flour. If I'm flour, I'm not trying to make you flour. That way we can mix in easy. No. You have to be what you have to be. And I have to be flour. In order for bread to be bread, it takes all the ingredients. But it takes you perfecting your gifts. You see, so there is an individuality in the body of Christ. You have to be salt in order for bread to have the seasoning it needs. You have to be flour in order for it to be the body or the water or whatever. So in this, we don't get to choose what ingredients goes into the bread, do we? Hello. No, you don't get to choose. How many of the members did you get to vote in? Let's see who was voted in this week. Well, I don't see any hands. It's because it is God that set them in. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. We haven't used our Bibles much this morning, but let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to what it says, 12 to 20. He says, for the body is, verse 14, the body is not one member, but many. 
If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where is the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all member one, all one member, where would the body? But now are many members, yet one body. So even under the analogy of the body of Christ as a human body, God didn't just bring a bunch of parts together and dump them in the bucket. And you've got legs and arms all sticking out there. No, there is a, it is a, it is formed as an organism. It's unique. It operates together. And, and you find when you come in and God has set you in here, you didn't get to choose who sat on the right or on the left of you. You have to believe that God had set them in there. Now, I, listen, it's oversimplification. At times we know that there are people who, they come in with their big ideas. As a brother once said, somebody is always coming to find a utopia or to bring us one. <clears throat> You automatically know they have some idea that they got about what they think you ought to be. The reality is here. And when you're, when you're set here, you begin to find out what that purpose is. And like I said, it's not disorganization. It is a matter of what's my calling, Lord? And for the same purpose, let me find my function. And you should be developing those. Every one of you has a calling. Every one of you, it is important. He goes on to tell that some, some parts we give the more abundant honor to, and some we don't. But all are important. So God has set the members together as it hath pleased him, and he wants you to function together. This is one of the hardest lessons, and, and it takes time because maturity isn't overnight. I, I'm, when I just spoke to you, I'm speaking about a work that, you know, I'm seeing in our assembly. And, and, you, and you stand back and you look at things and there's always something to pray about. There's always something to be concerned or should I say something about that? But you just allow the Spirit of God to do the work and you'll find out that He's a lot better at it than I am. Amen. Amen. And uh, he, he knows how to get after people. He also knows how to encourage them in areas. And uh, I figure that if it, if it comes to the place to where me as a pastor, I have to speak to somebody in my assembly, I know that the Lord wants me to speak to them. They've already missed hundreds of other signals telling them you're going the wrong direction. Don't do that. Amen. So this is what God has as just a reminder. I trust that some of the older ones, this was what we were taught um, that God is bringing to perfection a body. And it needs to be spoken again today because I, I want to remind you, there is a handing off of the baton. I plan to be here at the first fruits rapture. I plan to go standing up. <laughs> at the same time, well, let's dig him up and let's set him over here. No, <laughs> But at the same time, the ones from my generation are passing off the scene. And there's a new generation. 
God didn't start a work to have it perish. Amen. That's right. it, it, the faith message just wasn't a thing they did in the 60s and 70s. It is how God wants his fellowship to operate and grow together and to become one in. Amen? Amen. Well, that's what God has for you. I don't know how that long that lasted, but it don't matter. <laughs>